Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. The truths that I'm sharing with you tonight are not things that I just see in the Bible and I never acted upon them, I never received them, because I've received them and I've acted upon them. And again, they have radically changed my life, along with lots of other truths that are found right here in the Bible that I really didn't know about. So tonight, God's plan your increase. That's what the plan is for your increase. Now, every time we say something like that, well, I know it, you know, you're the people that believe in prosperity. You've got that right. We are the people that believe in prosperity because that is what God has uh, just laid out in his word that is his plan for us. But now I'll just say this. If you think that's all we ever teach, if you're around here much, you know that's not the truth. You know it isn't. But it's an element just like healing or, um, you know, salvation, baptism, whatever. It, it's a truth in God's word that he wants us to lay hold of and hold on to and not really, oh yeah, I've got that. Now I'm going on to something else and lay that down and never pick it up again. No, no, you picked it up and you're going to hold on to it. And so we get a little refresher course in these things from time to time. However, like I said before, some of you, it's going to be a new truth, uh, something maybe that you don't know so much about. Now, when I talk about a plan, in Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible talks about there that God has a plan for your life. Is it just any old plan? No. The Bible says he has a good plan for you. Now, see, that's real revelation for many people because they don't understand they don't know that God has a good plan because they think the plan of God is on the road to suffering, trial, and tribulation. Will we go through those things as we go through life? There is no doubt we will. But God delivers out of every affliction. He delivers out of every test and every trial. And that's what the children of God, that's what makes us different. The world goes through trials and tribulation and afflictions, but they have no promise of that. But God says, I deliver out of every one of them because I've got a good plan for your life. Now, if he has a good plan, that means you've got to get on track and you've got to get on the path for your life. You say, well, I don't know what the plan is for my life. You begin to live your life and serve God and, uh, you know, read the scripture, pray, get connected to a local church, get in there and help them do what God has called them to do. And you'll get on the path. You'll find the path. You'll discover the path. But if you never do that and you just sit back and say, well, I'm waiting for God to give me, you know, no steps, no ordering. God orders the steps of the righteous. You don't step, you don't get any orders. The, you know, the gospel is not go sit on the porch and wait. He said, occupy, be about my business, get busy. And you don't know what to do. It's like I said, you come here, we'll give you something to do. There'll be something to do here. That is for sure. And not just a bunch of busy work. 
but things that matter and, and make a difference in the kingdom. But he said, I have a good plan for your life. Now, some of us are very young. Some of us are in the middle and some of us are older, more mature, I like to say. But wherever you are, you can get in on this plan even if it's at the last minute. I believe that. I believe you can be off track for a lot of years and God begins to deal with your heart through a message, through something you read, through something you hear a preacher say, through a book, through His Holy Spirit, and you can get on track and you can get in your destiny. You might not get, accomplish everything that he had for you, but at least you didn't miss it all. You understand what I'm saying? So the Bible says he has a good plan for you to do you good and not harm. What a wonderful word that was for me many years ago when I heard that. Because I don't know why I felt this way, but I always felt like God was mad at me. If I didn't do everything perfectly, which my Lord, I did, did lots of things imperfectly, just like you, so don't look at me. <laughs> so with that good plan, and not to do me harm, not to hurt me, not to punish me, or any of that. You know, you get punished in life, do you know that? When you disobey the devil's going to be right there to make sure that the punishment is meted out to you. That's for sure. That's why we need to stay out of sin. And if we do sin, we need to repent, isn't it? Turn our back on it and get back on track again like I've been talking about. But the plan of God is a good plan for you. And see, many people, when we talk about increase, many people... Uh, look at that. Well, God wouldn't want to do that for me. Now, He, you know, He wants to increase my ability to share my faith or whatever. Now, I do believe that. I do believe He wants to increase um, our influence. I do think He wants to increase the anointing of God. I do think that He wants to increase us in lots of ways. But the way I'm talking about tonight is increase in the financial realm. And that is not wrong. That is not, you know, uh, non-spiritual. Because I can tell you, you can do a lot for God if He increases you and gives you ability. When God increases me in this financial way and He brings something into my hand, I, I realize and I know that He gives seed to who? The sower. He gives seed to the sower, but he allows you to eat out of it too, doesn't he? He allows you to eat out of it and you to receive blessing. But then he goes in, just like Abraham, see, we're blessed with Abraham's blessing. And Abraham's blessing was to come upon him and give him favor and influence and increase and riches and all of those things. But the scripture says in Genesis, he was blessed so that he could be a blessing. See, uh, Christians are not to be dams. You understand what I'm saying? Block, stop what God wants to do, but we're to be the channel of blessing and where it flows. You know, recently 
I spent some time with a consultant who came in here and they're helping us, you know, with some structure and things like that in ministry because, you know, you have one structure and you grow and bring in this one, bring in that one as far as employees go and you find out your structure isn't what it needs to be. And so we've asked a consultant to come in. And so this consultant stopped uh, starts talking to me about things that are, listen to this word, blockers. Things that are blockers. Well, in the kingdom, did you know there are blockers? There's blocks to what God wants to do from that flow coming from here to there and from there to here, you know? Now, it's so important when God begins to speak to you about being a blessing and allowing the flow to come through you to be obedient. I try to listen to the Lord. I try to listen. I try to hear what He's saying to me. And many times, you know, you say, well, I, I really don't have a lot of finances. When you sow a seed, it can be in so many different ways, and it may get you to the place to where you do have something financially to sow. You need to listen to God, because He will begin to order the steps as you go forward, and His plan will begin to unfold. If you always see yourself on the other end of receiving and not the one who is able to be the blessing and to give, that's where you'll remain. But if you will see yourself in light of the Scriptures that God's plan for you is increase. And you say, well, I'm really going through a tough time. I really don't need to hear you talk about increase tonight. No, you're exactly the one that does need to hear me talk about increase. God's plan for you is to increase you and not leave you where you are. Now, one thing I've learned about the Lord, if people, if people hear and they understand and they do what the Bible says, they get biblical results. But then people can hear, and they can hear, and they can hear, and they can hear, but they don't take it to heart, they don't begin to move on it, they don't begin to act on it, and it just lies dormant and the cares, and the persecutions, and the tribulation, everything comes, gets that word about God's plan is your increase, and you just stay right where you are. Now, if I were to ask you tonight, how many of you, since you came to this church, you have seen, I don't want you to lift your hand, how many of you have seen increase in some way and some kind in your life? If I came to you, I know that many of you could say, that's me and I have, that's me and I have. Now, you may not be where you want to be, but there's always progress in God. And see, it takes a lot of patience. When you get into uh, the things that I'm talking to you about tonight, it's faith and patience that inherits the promise. And so these things don't happen overnight. I was just thinking about, you know, years ago, I've always felt God on my life. 
And you say, well, I haven't. Well, I can't speak from your experience. All, all I can tell you is mine. Whether you do or you don't, it's just what it is, your life, your experience. But I, I, for as long as I can remember, I have felt God's hand upon my life. Now, did I think that he was going to call me in the ministry, that I'd be doing what I'm doing, that I, you know, would travel, you know, and go into the world and preach the gospel and see a lot of things happen that I have. No, I really didn't think that. But I did think this. I reverenced the Lord. I had fear of God. I knew that I needed to obey. I knew that I needed to not be irreverent to the Lord, that I needed to respect the things of God. And I, I also had a hunger in my heart, and you say, where did that hunger come from? I don't, I don't know if it, you know, was my upbringing. I don't know if it's in the generations. I don't know if it's, you know, I, I, I can't say. I can't, I can't say if it's, you know, through watching, you know, maybe my dad, and I, I could see his love for the Lord. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but I know that I've had that love and that hunger to know God and to know Him in a deeper, more intimate way than, you know, on the surface. That was my knowledge of the Lord for many years was on the surface. But, you know, He began to unfold again the plan for my life. And when He did, then I just walked closer and closer with the Lord. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Remember Enoch, he walked with the Lord, and then what happened? One day he was not. You know what that is indicative of the rapture? We're going to just walk with the Lord, walk with the Lord, walk with the Lord, and then one day, guess what? We're not going to be here anymore. He's going to take us to heaven in the rapture, you know, if we don't go to heaven first. But I can remember... Um, and, and when Eddie and I first got married, and we didn't know, we were kids, and, and I, we were t talking to somebody about this the other day, and you know, people don't get married as young as we did, but that was in the time, you know, that, uh, that we were dating everything, people got married, and I was 18 and he was 20, didn't they? I mean, it's, I think about that, you were just a kid, and an immature, stupid one at that. <laughs> no, not stupid, but... <laughs> But, but, you know, from the very beginning, I can remember this. Now, we were, you know, uh, we got married. Eddie just got out of the Army. And, um, and he, did, he hadn't gotten a job yet because he had just gotten home. I had graduated from high school. I didn't have a job. But we were living off of his money that he had saved in the Army, in which, you know, we, oh, we're rich. <laughs> I remember we went on vacation and did all this stuff, you know, we were living it up and then reality hit us. And reality was, if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> because I'd gone from my dad's house, you know, to being married and reality hit me, you know. But I can remember from those early days, even when we were trying to decide, uh, you know, we need to get in church, we need to go to church, you know, and that kind of thing. We, I, we'd half go to church. But there's one thing that we never did, and that was miss our tithe. I mean, if we didn't go to church, we would send our tithe. And we did that because we were both taught that. You know, in his home, 
He was raised to tithe. In my home, you know, raised to tithe. That's the way we were raised. So we started that. And so I, I believe, you know, you say, well, you know, that's not me. I, I wasn't, and I've just recently even learned that. Well, isn't it exciting that he did reveal it to you, and it's time to get busy with the plan, isn't it? But I guess I'm saying that to say that God had us on that path of increase, even though we didn't really fully realize it. But, you know, God would bring things to us, opportunities, opportunities to us. And, you know, uh, there, there's a thing about work and labor. What does he do? He blesses the labor of your hand. The United States of America needs to learn that. Many people... If you, if you labor with your hands, he will bless it. Now, I understand and I know that people right now, they're looking for jobs and all that. So I'm not talking about those kinds of things, but I'm talking about people who, you know, just want to receive and somebody else to do it for them. But you see, he blesses the labor of your hands. So what we began to do in those early days, when we, you know, when we, we're discovering what God had for us, you know, on that path, maybe not even knowing so much that we were on that path, but just, you know, trying to uh, follow the Lord and obey as much as we knew, which was not very much. But, but God would bring opportunities to us. Now, you know the car buff that Eddie's is, and most of you, if you come here, you know that. Why? Because he talks about cars, and that's his illustration, because that's what he loves. He loves those cars, you know, not in a wrong way. I'm just saying, you know, as a hobby and, and that kind of thing. But I can remember that we got this connection into the bank and cars uh, that would be, and trucks that would be repossessed, he would go and get them. And we, and I would help him scrub them up, clean them up. And he would get his little paint out and touch this up and, you know, do this to the wheels and all the stuff that you... And then we'd take that car and we would make, I don't know, five, six hundred dollars more on each car. That We began to put our hand to something. Then I can remember in the same way, God began to increase us when we began to see, okay... And this was in the late 70s, early 80s, okay? And I know you couldn't do this now, but then, see, this is what I'm saying. You know, get on, don't, don't be afraid to step out and do things to receive increase into your life. Let God bring to you thoughts and ideas and ways that you can make increase. Yeah. But we begin to see in houses, if we would decide that we were going to build a house. It started that way for ourselves. We didn't know anything about it, but we had a friend who did. And he said, I'll build a house for you and I'll build it for this and so. And we thought, well, that's a good deal. We, you know, we have one home, we're going to sell it and the equity we get from that, then we're going to put it uh, toward this new house that he's going to build us. And so we did that. And in the middle of doing that, you know, uh, our house, between the time we started building, signed the contract, and sold the home, it increased significantly, uh, significantly because houses were going up, 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 up. Well, for the builder, it wasn't such a good deal. But I mean, that was the contract, you know. 
And so we certainly didn't take advantage of him. That's what he agreed to, and that's what we agreed to. And so by the time, uh, you know, uh, you know, Eddie and I would get in there, and you know, we would paint, and we would put up wallpaper. It was the time when wallpaper, you know, was real popular. And and so we would do all that, and you know, uh, that wallpaper did it for me though with Eddie because. Every, he thought I should know every instrument to hand him when he was doing whatever. And if I didn't get it up there fast enough, where is he? It's like, <laughs> do it yourself. <laughs> no, but we, we got through it. We, we painted and wallpapered and, and did everything. But, you know, we decided we'll do those things because we can, uh, we can increase our financial situation. And so we got on that path and we began to, to see God bless and God increase. And we decided, well, that's not too good for us. We can do that. You know, we can make money here. You know, we can increase there. You know, we can do this and we can see God do that. And so we, we put ourselves in God's hand and he began to increase us. Now, is God a respecter of persons? What he will do for one, he'll do for the other, but you've got to work the kingdom, amen? Now, I've gone all over the place and hadn't said what I needed to. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is amplified, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor in order that by his poverty you might become enriched and abundantly supplied. Now, does that give you any question at all what Paul said there? of what God wants for your life and what Jesus did. Now, do I believe that, that Jesus' poverty equals the worldly poverty and the poorest person that ever? No, I don't believe that. But as far as the riches of heaven, you understand what I'm saying? He, he divested himself of his divine privileges and became poor in heavenly standards so that we could be made rich and have this abundant supply in God. Now, here's the question, here, or, or, or the problem, I should say. Here's abundant supply, and here we are. So how do we get from here to abundant supply? Well, I, I hope I'm gonna have enough time here tonight to share some things with you to help you. Now, I really believe this, that God turned his back on Jesus so that we could turn our face toward him. I really believe that. He had to turn his back upon Jesus while he went to the cross and was crucified, took that curse upon himself so that we could come to Jesus and we could face the Father. Amen. And that's important for us to understand that. So what Jesus did in, in becoming poor and taking upon himself poverty was so that we could be enriched 
And I, I, I do believe in all areas of our life, which includes your financial blessing and prosperity. Galatians 3.13 talks about how Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He rescued us out of darkness. He brought us out. He freed us from the curse of the law. Now, if you turn over, and I don't have time to do it, but if you turn over to Deuteronomy 28, uh, well, first of all, I refer to 27. If you go to Deuteronomy 27, you will see over there that uh, uh, God instructed through Moses, and he said, I want part of the children of Israel to go on Mount Ebal. And then I want the other to go on this mountain that is across the way, Mount Gerizim. I want, I want the people to go there because I want them to understand there is a clear, distinct curse. And the Ebal represented the curse. And there is a clear and distinct blessing, and that was Gerizim. And so they would, you know, they spoke out the curse and the blessing on top of those mountains there. But then you come over to Deuteronomy 28, the next chapter, and I think it's around a verse number 15 or so. I may have that wrong, but around in there, and it begins to explicitly tell us what the curse is. If you have any misunderstanding, if you will turn to Deuteronomy 28 and start reading about the curse over there, you will see that they're cursed in their storehouses. They're cursed in the field, their jobs. They're, the sickness and disease would come upon them. They would be in devastation. It was all a curse. Okay, then take us back to Galatians. What did Jesus do? He redeemed us from that poverty of all those things. He wants your storehouse to be full. He wants you to be blessed in the field. Where's the field? The field represents your occupation, your job, uh, you know, what you do uh, for a living. That's what it represents, blessed or cursed in the field. But here we're talking about the, court, uh, the curse, of course. And you can see that that's what Jesus has redeemed us from. But then you go back to uh, verse number two in Deuteronomy 28, and then you begin to see what the blessing that was pronounced as they stood upon the mountains, one to curse, one to bless, you begin to see what the blessing was. You're gonna be blessed in your storehouses. You know what that means? That means the place where you lay things back. Your retirement. You know, your savings account. Your whatever, whatever. You can have more than one storehouse. He talks about storehouses. And so it's smart to lay things back. And I know sometimes we get caught in places where we can't, but when you can, begin to lay back and begin to save what you can. I, recently, someone that's in the, uh, in the church here, they came and they told me the story about um, years ago, I don't know, six, eight years ago, we did Financial Peace, Dave Ramsey. You remember that when we started our live sessions, I guess, whatever we were doing. And they went through that and they began to see how to wisely handle their money and, and how to steward their money. And I mean, every penny goes in a certain place. You don't leave any money without it 
going in a slot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, I've got, you know, I've got $100 I can just blow this week. No, not under his plan. You get it in a spot and that's where it stays, you know. But anyway, so what this person was telling me is they learned in that class, it was a husband and wife, and they learned in that class and they began to live it out. And I mean, you know, they'd go uh, be out and the kids would want to eat out and, you know, get a Frosty or get, you know, a snow cone or whatever. And they say, nope, we're going home. We're going to eat at home. Why? Because they, they took it seriously and knew that debt... See, in, in this area of increase, it's important to know debt can enslave you. You know that. You know, and many people say, you know... Uh, don't go into debt for, you know, then just a house and a car and pay those off, and you, you know, when you can. And that's exactly what this couple did. They had a lot of debt, and they started paying it down. They pay the first, you know, if they, if they had, you know, they owed $1,000, and then they owed five over here and 10 over here. They just started paying it off, the smallest on up, until they got every bit of that paid except for their home, and they were able to live in freedom. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I'm believing God for in my home to be totally debt-free, and I'm working toward it. And I told the Lord, you know, at Christmas time, of course, you know, you get, you get things for Christmas and a financial gift or whatever. And so I told God, I said, God, I'm so serious. I'm going to take part of my Christmas, and I'm putting it on that mortgage because I'm serious about this. And so I did. I took part of my Christmas and I put, put it down because I want to get out of debt. I don't want a mortgage. We don't have a lot of debt, but we have a mortgage. And so we're working to get that. And I'm going to tell you, when you get serious about it, let me say this to you. When you get serious about it, God will show you ways to do it. I know, you know, when the interest rates went like, I could not believe it. I've, I've never seen interest rates as low as they got. We refinanced our house for half the time. Okay, so you ask God to help you, he'll get in there, but you've got to give him something to work with, the cooperation. Well, I want to be debt-free, and then you just go, you know, well, get serious. Now, how did I get on that? So, I've told you, you know, talked about the debt and how that it's, it's a curse. Living under debt and being strapped is a curse, and so you want to get out of the curse and you want to get into the blessing. And if you follow the Lord and follow his plan, he will lead you out. Everybody say, lead me out. Yeah. He'll lead you out of it. I believe that with all of my heart. Amen. To recognize the characteristics of this spirit of poverty, understand this. A person accepts their poverty and adopts the mentality of poverty. You know, some people think that it's godly, that God will bless them if they, you know, take this poverty vow, if they live this way, that it's pleasing to the Lord. It, you know, it glorifies Him. Where all the time, that's not what we read about what He redeemed us from, is it? It's not what I read from the Scripture. He redeemed us from the curse, which is debt and poverty. 
those kinds of things. He redeemed us from that. Okay, the second characteristic is to spend and spend, and there's nothing to show for it. Have you ever heard the story about people who win the lottery? I mean, we've heard it over and over again, and you go back in a few years, and they have nothing to show for it, and as a matter of fact, they could be bankrupt. So we know that poverty spirit gets in there. We've got to be wise, and we've got to seek the Lord on what we do with our finances. Buy items just like other people do. Might even buy, use this example, might even buy the same kind of sofa that someone else buys. But because of that poverty spirit, you know, uh, they, it, it's ruined. It looks awful. It tears up, you know, where the other person, they're not living under that. And it's different. You understand that that's really important. Take care of what God gives you and he'll give you more. Clean that rattle trap that you drive around up even though you can't stand it. Clean it up, make it the best, shovel it out, whatever you have to do, and then show God that you're gonna take care of it and he can give you something else. You, you know what I'm saying? You understand that. And take care of your stuff. I, I was going over this stuff today and I just had to laugh to myself because I remember when I was a teenager and I've always been one that loves, I mean, when I was a teenager, can you believe it? I mean, that's just like crazy. But when I was a teenager, I, I mean, for my mom, I took care of the house. I cleaned it. My other sisters did helped her in the kitchen, but I cleaned the house. And I mean, I wanted everything where it goes. But that's the way it was. And I remember one day, my mom had bought this new living room set, and I thought it was the most gorgeous thing in the world. It was like a, a real pretty... Um, gold brocade, you know, had the rose flowers and all this, you know, in it. And of course, you have to understand, you know, this was late 60s probably at that time. I thought it was beautiful. She got new tables and everything. And I was just so proud of that. And one day, I, you know, I'm back in my bedroom and I come out and my brother had a car part on my mother's coffee table and she wasn't there and I knew she would choke him if she came home and found him with that in there. But I mean, I was just fussing and, and going on, you know, uh, against my brother and then I just started crying. <laughs> and then my aunt called me on the phone and, and I was crying and she said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I said, you won't believe it, Carlos has got a car part on my mom's table. And she said, you get him on the phone right now. <laughs> and she let him have it, I didn't have to do it. He wouldn't listen to me anyway, you know? But you understand what I'm saying? We don't need to have car parts on our coffee tables. <laughs> if you see my brother Sunday, tell him I said that, okay? No, he doesn't do that. His wife wouldn't let him do that, that's for sure. Okay, um, so also the fourth characteristic is clutter, messy all around your house, your car, your desk, or whatever. You know, it's just everything is piled up and you can't get rid of anything. That's another thing, just a pack rat, a hoarder. And some of you, oh my gosh, don't look at each other, husband, wife, or don't look at each other because one may be. But here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with keeping things, but you know when it gets to an extreme, and on one way or the other, you know, where, you know, everything's got to, it's like, I'm not that way, I don't think. 
But there's something wrong with that too when people can't live. I always let my kids live in the house. But I'd say everything you pull out at the end of the day, honey, everything you pull out has to be put back in place. So if you pull it out, it's your responsibility. So, you know, they stop pulling out so much because they know they have to do that. But I would let them just tear, go in there and throw it and whatever. It's just so you clean it up, it's okay, you know. So you don't want to get out of balance one way or the other. But, but in what I'm talking about, this spirit of poverty, where you, how many of you have watched Hoarders on TV? You understand what I'm saying? It, 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 you think that's not demonic? It's pitiful and people need deliverance out of that. But that's that spirit of poverty, you know, just to the nth degree. And so those are all things that happen. And then you work harder than most, but you can't seem to get ahead. And you know, the scripture talks about that, that you have a bag for your money, but it's got holes in it and it just runs out. But I've seen lots of people and they are hard workers, but they just can't seem to get ahead. And many times we struggle under a poverty spirit and we don't even realize it. Amen? Now, um, I'm going to, very quickly, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about poverty. So get your pens ready if you want to take notes. Proverbs 6.10, it talks about uh, sleeping and being lazy when you should be active and working. Proverbs, second thing, Proverbs 11.24, holding on to and you're stingy when you should give. Holding on to it and be stingy with it when it's time to give. Now, that can be clothes, it can be possessions or what. You know, we could, in our closet, we could just hoard up clothes that we, we haven't worn in 10 years, but we can't, you know, we're not going to give that away. Why not? Let's give it to somebody. You got a coat and it's winter time and they're collecting coats, you know, at the, the rescue mission or whatever. Give, release, and don't let that get on you. Oh, I can't do that. I'll, I'll not have enough. No, that's a lie of the devil. You give and he'll give back to you. And um, Proverbs eleven twenty five in the New American Standard, it says a generous man shall be prosperous. And so we're to be givers and, and just counter that spirit of poverty. The third thing, Proverbs 13, 18 if you're unteachable, uncorrectable, and stubborn, you give in to that poverty spirit. Number four, uh, Proverbs 20, 13, it talks about laziness. You remember what I said about the United States of America? There's a lazy poverty spirit. Give me, take care of me. I understand people need assistance. I understand that people find themselves in a hard spot. I don't have any problem with that. But when people sit down and they're lazy and they won't work and they expect everybody to keep them up, that's just cooperating with that spirit of poverty. It's like saying, America, come on in. That's what America is saying. Come on in. We'll just embrace you. Not me, I'm fighting it. Now, the fifth thing, Proverbs 24, 30 through 34, uh, it talks about, well, I'm going to turn over there. That's a good one. That goes in some of the things I've been saying here tonight. Proverbs 24 and verse number 30. I went by the field 
of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and covered the face thereof and the stone wall was broken down. In other words, no security. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and I received instruction. You see what I'm saying? You can look around, you can observe and God will instruct you. And this is what the instruction was. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. So shall the poverty come upon you. So avoid that. Take care of what God gives you, your possessions, whatever it is, your property, your home, You say, well, it's not the best. I understand that. I understand that it may not be, but that's not the point. Take care of what God gives you. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've started, uh, lately, I, I would be just driving around in areas and I would just feel this grief come to me as I looked around and I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it's all over this city. Litter, trash, unkempt, if, if you look, it's everywhere. It, people not taking care of their property. And see, I think more and more we're going to see that. But you know what? Not me. How about you? Not you either. That's right. Not you either. Because we're going to take care. And that poverty spirit, we're getting into the increase and the flow of God and not giving in to a poverty spirit that seems to be running wild in society today. And so if you find yourself in that place, reverse it. Amen? We need to show appreciation for the Lord, for what He gives us. It may not be the best, but take care of what He gives you. Proverbs 28, 19, this is what the Bible says about uh, poverty, the NIV. He who works his ground will have abundant food, but the man who chases after fantasies shall have his feel of poverty. Chases after elusive things, things that are never going to be. Just chasing after discontent or chasing after, you know, some dream that really isn't a dream of God at all. And it will bring poverty upon you. Amen. So we want the blessing and not this curse of poverty. poverty. Psalms 112, 1 through 3, listen to this, it's condensed down. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. You fear the Lord, you reverence the Lord. He said, riches will be in your house. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.